Welcome to the Oregon College Football Post Game Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on FM News 101 KXL. All right, welcome in. Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax here on FM News 101 KXL as the Ducks get a victory. 35 to 22 is the final. Hardly impressive. But they end up winning in the end. San Jose Stakes comfortably covering the plus 41 and a half, which was the line going into this game. Justin Herbert, 16 for 34, so under 50% completions. But he goes for 309 yards and three touchdowns with two interceptions. A rushing attack only averages 2.7 yards a carry today. So that is concerning. At least Jacob Breeland had a nice game. Three catches, 92 yards, and a touchdown. A couple of interceptions along the way for Oregon, but a kick return touchdown called back for a penalty. I mean, there's a lot of good, but there's a whole lot of bad in this game. Neil Lomax joining me on the postgame show. Neil, your thoughts on this one? Hey, congratulations, Oregon Ducks. You're a 3 0. <laughs> You're a 3 0. You're going to Pac 12 now. That's what you wanted to be. Yeah. Uh, you won the game, but realistically, you slipped the clutch. I mean, the clutch was slipping. You can't, you couldn't shift. I don't know, from second gear to third gear, you're stalling. Uh, Coach Cristobal was frustrated. You can tell. I want to make a statement here. I'm not going to kick a field goal. We're going to go in on fourth and three. We're going to go in on fourth and six. We're going to go in on fourth and eight. Uh, I don't think you'll do that in the regular season. Well, regular season. Here I go again, like the, like it's the NFL. Yeah. Uh, it is exhibition. Uh, you, you, I don't know if he doesn't have a lot of trust. You know, in the kicking game, because I think somewhere down the road, you know, Zach Emerson's got to get some pressure kicks. I mean, he was 0 for 1. I mean, you're, you're going to try some of those fields. But bottom line is, they, they won the game, but sloppy. I'll just tell you right out, sloppy. And in so many areas, uh, again, this is what the Ducks do, though, as far as so many guys touch the ball. Right. They're athletes. I mean, you've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys rush the ball. And we know Tony Brooks-James, 10 carries. C.J. had 15. Travis Dye had 8 carries, 27 yards. You don't count Justin. You know, Justin is the, the three, the three-peat guy. He's a three-headed monster there as the quarterback. He's going to read it. He's going to run it. He's going to throw it. So he's got six carries. Uh, but receiving, one, two, three, four, five, nine, right? One, two, eight. Eight Oregon Duck athletes uh, caught balls. And, and I'm, I'm glad to see... The wide receiver, that tight end receiver, Jacob Breland only had three catches, but some big plays there. So, again, this is kind of what they do. No surprises there, but execution-wise, effectiveness-wise, very sloppy. You're going to get a lot of negative comments come from a lot of people. And is it what my kind of first take is, is this what happens when you play three non, I mean, just not the quality teams you want to play before you go into a Pac-12 conference play? Stanford took care of UC Davis today. Uh, you know, scuttlebutt on them was they didn't look overwhelming against the Aggies. It's still a win on the farm without Bryce Love. So I think there's a lot of questions and concerns around both the Ducks and the Cardinal going into next week's showdown at 5 o'clock nationally televised on ABC from Watson Stadium. It's going to be a great game, but Neil, there was an expectation that the Ducks would have put together something of a bit higher quality than what they had today. There were some good plays, there's no question, but there were a lot of holes to fill. Let's talk about the quarterback position. I hear you played that when you were in college. <laughs> Portland State Hall of Famer. 
and college football Hall of Famer and a decade long in the NFL. But Justin Herbert, uh, not very efficient. 16 completions and 34 attempts, 309 yards. Okay, that's all right. 9.1 yards per average. But a couple of picks, three touchdowns is good, but there are some holes in his game today. Well, and, and one of the picks was they were going for it in the end zone. Right, the hurry-up offense. I, I I was impressed with the last 45 seconds of the first half. They were pressing a little bit. They made a great run down there, a great little slant route. Uh, then a nice little slip screen to Taj Griffin. They get down their eight-yard line. He he, in his mind is I can make this throw, the slant route, and the ball gets tipped. It got picked. That's a 50-50 ball. It's not really on him, but he he has that confidence that I can make that throw. I can get it in that tight window and. Yeah, they're a little off. They're a little ineffective. Maybe some of the throws were questionable. But, man, he's got every throw. He, he's showing everybody. Believe me, he has got every throw. He's going to be fine. There were a couple drops again. But, see, here's the expectation. And I don't have a dog in the fight. I didn't go to Oregon to go to Oregon State. I really don't care. But, hey, these guys are good. I love watching Oregon play. They just weren't that effective and that consistent today. And either was Stanford. So, I'm okay, but the expectation of all these fans are, oh, they got to score 60. They got to score 70. And I kind of expected that. They should be putting 60 and 70 points on these teams. This is a ball game. Get Brent Brenham in the San Jose State coaching staff. Great, great credit mm-hmm. for getting their team ready to play football. I mean, I love Boogie Roberts, man. They're, they're nose tackle, their defensive tackle, a couple of their ends. They put a lot of pressure on Justin and that Oregon Duck rushing offense. So give credit where credit is due. San Jose State. Came to play. They really did. They really did. They really did. I was did. impressed yeah. to watch them. And it's a second straight Pac-12 opponent that they had, too. Getting shut out last week on the Palouse, 31 to nothing. To deal with that, come right back to a place like Autzen Stadium. Brent Brandon, very familiar with Autzen. Obviously, he coached as an assistant with the Beavers, a wide receivers coach from 2011 to 2016, participated in all those civil wars. He saw Justin Herbert when he was a freshman. It all obviously just a three win season for the Spartans last year, but Brent Brandon had his team ready to play. This was a tough out for Oregon. I did not expect this to be a game at halftime let alone a game late into the fourth quarter. I mean, this ended up being relatively concerning. And I, and I thought Montel Aaron was playing really well. And then, uh, you know, Austin Valiu comes in there and shoves uh, Aaron, mm-hmm. a little cheap shot, gets a little concussion protocol. So Josh Love, who was not effective really in the first quarter, comes back in. But he finishes 15 for 31, 238 yards, has a touchdown. He effectively kind of runs that offense, keeps him in check, keeps him in the ball game. I mean, Coach Brennan had to go for the, you know, the 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 win. I mean, we we talked about that. We were watching a little bit. They were on fourth down and eight, and they had a false start. Yeah. So they pushed them back to like the ten yard line, and they kick a field goal. We're well, not going to win with a field goal, but he felt, what's the odds of really going for it? It's fourth from your own ten yard line. A lot better chance. Get three, make it look better. I don't know if he had money on the game. I, I hope he didn't. I don't know what the line was, but you cut it to a 20-point game. But yeah. still, I, I was just, again, impressed. Uh, give them credit for how well they hung in there offensively and especially defensively. Their secondary played some great coverage. They had some major breakdowns. That We had some big plays in the first half, but they covered up Oregon's Defense, they're, they're wide receivers very well. Yeah, I mean, in the second half, it seemed like San Diego or San Jose State made some good adjustments on defense as well. And Herbert, to your point, Neil, 
He was rushed a little bit more today than he had at any point in week one or week two. A lot of pressure. Felt some pressure, and I think that's how the interceptions, you know, happened as well. He had some pressure around his feet. I mean, that's got to be, as a quarterback, you probably see a guy flashing open, get pressure around your feet. That can totally affect your throw, does it not? Yeah, and that's what film will show. You know, Mario Cristobal and their staff and, and the players as well, they'll go in the film room. When you watch the tape, it, it, who, who blew the assignment? You know, we, we as just novice people, really, we're watching the game. Even I'm watching the game. I don't know, really, whose assignment that was. Mm. Was that Throckmorton? Did he reach out? Was Hanson supposed to pull? You know, was TBJ, was his job to block that backer? Were they supposed to, with Hanson, supposed to go over and help Lemieux on the double team on Rob? I don't know. They know. So who made the mistakes? They'll clean that up because you better clean it up. Because I tell you what, some, some big boys are coming to town. And they're going to just game clock control that that yeah. ball. It's going to be an awesome game next week. We, we're not going to jump ahead of that. But, again, I'm impressed with San Diego, San Jose State coming in here and playing a real football game. Oregon came away with the win. Congratulations to the Ducks for that. You're 3-0. Now the season starts. Yes, it does. And now we can get real reaction <laughs> without feeling like we're overreacting. Right? The first three weeks, we've been kind of on guard, not really wanting to overreact to anything good, anything bad. Because you didn't know. We, we, you didn't we, know. We didn't know, and I think they didn't know. You don't know really where you're at until you go apples and apples. I say that about high school, college, the pros. The parody and the pros is amazing, but what college football showed today, and we'll talk about some of these scores. Yeah, I mean, man. Scott Frost, how do you feel? Mm. Willie Taggart, how oh, do you feel? We got post-game audio from Willie Taggart Badger, today. The Badgers of, oh, oh, Wisconsin, your offensive line, you're number three, number four in the nation. How good are you? Well, BYU showed you how good you are, even at home. How about coaches with State of Oregon ties today? So, you got Willie Taggart going up against Lake Ridge High School product Eric Dungy. Dungy gets hurt, leaves the game in the second quarter. Cues brings in a backup QB. Their offense just keeps on rolling. And FSU, Neil, this top-flight ACC program with Willie T, penalties everywhere. Duck fans remember that. Yep. Lack nine, of discipline. Nine, nine penalties in the first half. Unbelievable. I mean, Oregon Ducks averaged nine and a half penalties last year per game. And we were, I mean, Duck fans were irate. They should be. The average penalties per game is 6.5 for a college football game. NFL is 8.5. A little more in the NFL. They That's just like bad. It goes, well, those referees got to be on TV. So they got to throw more flex. That's why they got yeah, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. biceps and everything. Yeah, Hockley. Hockley. Like nice. <laughs> Nine in the first half. I think four or five more in the second half. Um, I'm hoping you're getting some take. I know you've been working on it with your producers and the, the guys in the programming to figure out what did Willie Taggart have to say after that debacle. We got a whole bunch of Willie Taggart audio. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get to that on the, uh, in our, our second segment. We'll get to Scott Frost reaction as well as the former Duck offensive coordinator has started 0-2 with the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Now keep in mind that's with a backup quarterback. Adrian Martinez, his true freshman, did not play in the game today. But still, you can't lose at home to Troy like that. I mean, ah, oh, that's so tough. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I mean, that hurts you, no question. Your starting quarterback. We talked about with Jordan Ken earlier. When you lose in college, when you lose your starter, who gets ninety percent of the reps, but still, you're at home. And and this is the Appalachian State stories, the Troy stories. Be careful. Be careful who you bring in. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a pretty good team in these FCS. They're pretty good. They, so and they want to be you so bad. Yeah, you're telling me that. So Troy beat LSU on the road last year. <laughs> yeah, at LSU, at LSU last year in Death Valley, and LSU. Beats Auburn on a last-second field goal, and Auburn beat Washington. So, Huskies, 
Good luck today at, at, at Utah. Oh, man. Come on now. Plus, Oregon State is playing uh, in Nevada. Don't don't tell me what I saw earlier. I saw 30-7. to 7. Yeah, what? it was 37 when we were walking in. Yeah. I think, oh, man, I want to say the Beavers started to bite into that deficit a little bit, looking up that score right now. Yeah, they have, uh, Jake Luton's in. <laughs> Nevada 30, Oregon State 14, right. final minute of the first half. Oregon State has the football in Nevada territory as they try to make that maybe within double digits, maybe within 30 to 20 or 30 to 21 by halftime. Um, but 30 points in first in one half. The Beaver defense has got some problems, but we knew that. That was the concern. We knew that. Offensively, I think there's some, uh, there's some things to be encouraged by by the Beavers, but... Right now, down by uh, two scores uh, before halftime down in Reno. That's going to be tough. Elsewhere, USC has taken an early lead on Tejas. 7 nothing Trojans over the Longhorns right now. That's early in the first quarter. We got that up on the TV here. We got uh, TCU and Ohio State up here as well. How about uh, Colorado beating New Hampshire 45-14? to Steven Montez only 19 pass attempts in that game. But also Stanford. 30 to 10, the ninth ranked Cardinal take down UC Davis, the alma mater of Mike Bellotti and Nick Galliotti, Demario Warren, the Southern Chris Utah Pearson coach. was there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great, great lineage of coaches at, at uh, UC Davis. If you're Mario Cristobal, Neil, from what you watched on the game today, what do you think the number one concern is for him coming out of this game, getting ready for Stanford? Just how, how he makes some simple corrections. To some simple errors. Really, this, let's make some simple corrections. These are a couple errors. We've talked about this, guys. They're not going to make over anything else. Just some simple corrections. And now you game plan for a different beast. Here comes a different beast. Here comes your power right, power left, lead right, lead left, play action, use Parkinson, use the tight ends. My boy, JJ, white side. I mean, the guy is 6'7", six, 6'8", six, plays like he's 6'11". He's going to go up. That's what they do. And defensively, I've been more impressed with Stanford because of that USC game. And we'll see how that pans out, how well they really are, because I thought USC uh, is a lot better team, but holding them to three points last week. Um, so he, he just he just changes the channel. That's what he does. Really quickly, they change the channel, they watch the film, they correct, and they game plan mode right away. This is, if not tonight, tomorrow morning, game plan mode right away. Here's how we attack defensively, offensively, special teams. This is Stanford's weaknesses. Here's how we're going to go at it. And I believe they're going to do a great job and get prepared and play a great game next Saturday. All right, you've heard uh, Neil, you've heard myself. We're going to be taking you over the next two hours here on FM News 101 KXL, but it's also your show, the listener, your chance to sound off on what you saw from the Oregon Duck game as you're making your way back in. 503-417-9595. That is 503-417-9595. We'll be taking your calls and your reaction from this one. Ducks end up getting the victory 35 to 22. Justin Herbert, 309 yards passing and three touchdowns, but also two interceptions. Nothing really doing on the ground for the Ducks in this game. That was surprising. 49 carries as a team, but only 2.7 yards per rush. That number really jumps out to me, Neil, because, you know, in game one and game two, the offensive line pushed anybody they wanted to around. They didn't push San Jose State around today. Well, and the philosophy is you spread them out to run. It's been since Chip Kelly. That's the spread offense. The three by one, two by two, empty, you motion them in. 
And, you know, again, when, when seven running backs touch the ball and you only get, like you said, 2.7 yards per rush, mm-hmm. uh, two rushing touchdowns, that's not Oregon's way. That's not the way the philosophy is of the spread. I don't care if you call it the air raid, even our run and shoot, we would spread them out and run a draw, run a slant, run a, run a lead, run a power. And that, that is a, uh, a, a number that kind of jumps out to you. Now that I look in the statistics, uh, Judy, you brought that up. I mean, less than three yards per rush, uh, and you carry the ball almost 50 times. So that's a lot of rushes. So first of all, folks, rushing the football that many times, that's great balance. I mean, you rush the ball that many times. Them C.J. Vardell had 15 carries. Mm-hmm. So they're going to figure out again who's the three or four feature backs we want to use against the Cardinal. And I think that's what uh, Marcus Arroyo is going to figure out. Here's the three or four guys that we really use to attack them from tackle to tackle. Now, here's the three or four guys like Taj Griffin, uh, Darian Felix, Travis Dye. Who do we want to use on third down, second and ten? Let's put them in because they are great route runners. That's what they're figuring out. So these three games, we'll kind of figure out, here's what we do, here's who we can really use well, and they'll put them in the great places to, to execute. And that's what you do. You put your players in. What's the best chance you can be successful with the players you have? It's the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Need your reaction as well. 503-417-9595. How about guys that are performing in the run game? Cyrus Habibi Lakio. Tell you what, he doesn't get a ton of carries, but boy, does he produce. This is one of his scores today. The goal line specialist for Mario Cristobal. Habibi Likio toward the goal line. Touchdown, Oregon. Signal from the judge coming in for the top. That's Pac-12 Network. Cyrus Habibi Likio, tell you what, five carries this year. That's it. Four touchdowns. Short yardage production, man. Well, you give him the ball inside the five-yard line. Just fall in, right? <laughs> well, not quite fall in. Let's give some credit to those big boys up front. And they, <laughs> and they, were, they were tested. I'll, t- I'll be interested to hear Mario Cristobal's take and Marcus Royal's take on the offensive line, uh, how they felt the pressure came from San Jose State, because they're going to tell you they're maybe a little surprised yep. how well those big boys up front played for uh, San Jose State. A lot of single-digit guys in that defensive line for San Jose State. They kind of want to be the skill guys, but there's some big boys putting some pressure in those two gappers. So, uh, interesting what they what, what their take is uh, after the game. It seemed like also in this game, Neil, that there would be a good play for Oregon followed by a bad play. They'd stub their toe somehow. Whether it's the kick return touchdown that seemed to break the game open in the second half, called back for holding. Whether it's an interception that the Ducks have to set themselves up for the drive at the end of the first half. Interception in the end zone. You know, how frustrating is that? Were you part of games like that where it seemed like you could do a lot of good things, but there would also be a lot of bad things that would follow it? Yeah, the rhythm wasn't there, and that's what they want to address in the film. Why, why did that happen? What play call? Uh, I guarantee you, and I've been there several times as an offensive coordinator and a high school coach and doing some college coaching. Is just, man, that was, a bad, that was just a bad selection at that point. I, we could not execute as a back I knew the coverage was something different, so it was a play call. But bottom line, it still comes back to Justin. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a reading guy. What am I do? What's my adjustment? How do I throw it? The rhythm just wasn't there because you're right. They'd get a pick. Uh, I thought actually San Jose State, when I was watching the game, feel like, felt like they threw three or four interceptions. Bottom line is they only threw two. And those takeaways weren't capitalized on, and you got to. One of the balls Justin threw, okay, got tipped. So a lot of times that wasn't really his fault. But his decision was, man, I'm going to throw this route or that route, the touch. They were off a little bit. It was very inconsistent. 
The rhythm wasn't there. And I was watching the game. I just felt like I had my old 1975 Mustang II. That clutch, man. It just kept on slipping. I couldn't shift to second to third. And, man, come on, man. I don't want to pay. So that clutch was slipping a little bit. They'll get that fixed. It'll be a lot better next Saturday. Well, they better be. 5 o'clock against 8 on ABC against the Stanford Cardinal, who are victors today 30-10 to 10 over UC Davis. And you mentioned Pac-12 play right out of the gate. This is a different animal. Not only the Stanford game at home, Neil, but Cal in week two of conference play on the road in crazy town, Berserkly, Berkeley, <laughs> California. That's not going to be an easy game. I mean, Cal is laying waste to Idaho State, sure, 37 to 9. But Cal's, you know, they beat North Carolina. Well, they the BYU won, game. They won the, at, at yeah, BYU. Yeah, that, and then watching BYU beat Wisconsin. So, and Arizona better get a gimme tonight. That, that's right now. That's kind of the, the poor man's team right now. And the mm-hmm. whole Pac 12 is, what, Kevin Sumlin, what's going on down there in Tucson? I mean, bear up, bear down. Whatever you got to bear, you better start winning the game. So they'll, they'll get to win the day. And there's some great games on the night. It's going to be really exciting to watch some good football tonight. Right now, we got USC and Texas. And Texas is going to score here, probably tie this game up. And uh, a lot of great college football to talk about. So don't go anywhere. You got it. Oregon College Football Postgame Show, Chuta Newby, Neil Lomax, 503-417-9595. Your reaction from the Duck Game and all the action across the country on FM News 101 KXL. 503-417-9595. Get your reaction here on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Chuta Newby, Neil Lomax. Ducks win 35-22. A lot to be desired. But let's pivot here to Nevada and Oregon State. The Beavers entering as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. They have not won a road game in their last 20 tries. You have to go back to the game at Colorado in 2014 for the last Beavers win on the road. Right now, though, they have crawled back in it from down 30-7. to A couple of touchdowns late in the second quarter, including one in the final minute from Jake Luton to Isaiah Hodgins. And once you know it, it's a nine-point ball game. Nevada 30, Oregon State 21. Neil, we're seeing a bit of the backbone of this team. Yeah, they're great comeback, and the big difference is the two turnovers. You got a scoop and score. Uh, you know, Nevada got a free one by scooping that thing up and, and running in for a touchdown. Uh, Malik Reed picks up a, the fumble, uh, returns it for a score to make it 30-7. to seven, And you feel like, okay, they're done. And then Jake Luton, we, we talked about this with Tyson, with a lot of our guys who are kind of the beat riders, and even Nick Daschle, who was with us at uh, Reno. What's going to happen with Connor Blunt? What's going to happen with Jake Luton? You know, Connor Blunt, the walk-on from Wisconsin, but Jake Luton's had several serious injury, injuries in his career, but he comes back in and you know passing the whole concussion protocol. So this ball game, uh, good for the Beavers. Way to go, Beaver Nation! Happy the folks who traveled down there, that eight-hour ride from Corvallis. And a little tidbit here: let me give you a little trivia. So you also talked about that 1999 game that Jonathan Smith quarterbacked, and they won the game with Dennis Erickson's very first game. You know who made his radio play-by-play? Debut in that game? No way. Mr. Mike Parker. Is that right? Yeah. Mike Parker's yeah. first game was down yeah. at Nevada. A man that is no loss for words. He's got a <laughs> syllabus and a vocabulary. <laughs> Nothing he says is less than three syllables. I love the guy. Got it. What was that word? He's again? unquenchable. Well, you got, you know, yeah. Like, Makes up words too. And it always sounds good. So go Beeves. It's 30 21 at halftime. So, going to be good again to watch.
Jake Luton, 10 for 15 for 120 yards and a touchdown. Connor Blunt in that game was 6 for 9, 64 yards and one touchdown, but also had one pick as well. Jamar Jefferson, that true freshman running back, 15 carries for 73 yards in the first half. That's 4.9 yards a clip and a touchdown with a 21-yard run. So it's not quite the 243-yard barrage that he had last week against Southern Utah. But without Artavis Pierce, Oregon State's going to rely on Jamar Jefferson to try to move the six for him a little bit more in the ground game. Right now looking at six different Beavers have caught passes in this game for two touchdowns for Isaiah Hodgins on five catches. So Beavers receiving core historically has been a strength of that offense. If you go back to Beaver areas of the past, I mean, the wide receiver position down in Corvallis arguably has been a lot better than the wide receiver position at Oregon over the years. Um, Oregon would probably have the better running backs historically than the Beavers, but Beaver pass catchers, they're stepping up in this game. 16 well, catches now. And Jonathan Smith back in those days had a couple of really good receivers. He did. People kind of remember who? Ocho Cinco? Yeah. Yeah. But that that's, again, when you're behind 30-7, to seven, you're not really going to run the ball. All of a sudden, you're playing catch-up. And I've been there several times, either pros or in college, that all of a sudden, you're down three, four scores. Obviously, you got to throw the ball, so Jamar Jefferson's not going to get a whole lot of touches. But now the game is close. This is going to be a lot of pressure on him now because 15 touches, he's going to get 15, 20 more in the second half alone to keep this game close. This was a 7-7 game early in the uh, early in the contest. Midway through the first quarter, it was a 7-7 game, and then Nevada had a field goal, had a touchdown, had another touchdown, had a scoop and score touchdown. 30-7 to when the Beavers were punting down 30-7, to 10 minutes to go in the half. And now they started to climb back in it with a couple of consecutive touchdowns to make it 30-21 to 21 at halftime. If you want to sound off on that, you can. 503-417-9595. If you want to sound off on the Duck game, you can. 503-417-9595. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax on the Oregon College Football Post Game Show. Elsewhere in the top 25, top-ranked Alabama. All over Ole Miss, 49-7. And, Neil, we were talking about that game as it's uh, just hit halftime here. Bama's put up a 49 <laughs> spot in uh, 30 minutes of football. It's pretty impressive, as always. Yeah, but Ole Miss was ahead. They were. <laughs> were they it was 7-0. Really? Oh, they threw that nice little go route, like, nice nine route. Got it 7-0. The folks were happy. The Mannings were happy for a while. And that <laughs> slowly went away. Yeah, well, not really slowly. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. Uh, Mississippi State is up on Louisiana 28-3. to And fourth-ranked Ohio State up on TCU right now. 10-7. to That one's late in the first quarter. Number 22, USC, leads Texas 7-3. to That one's late in the first quarter as well. we got both of those games on the TVs in studio right now. So we'll be talking about them. But up next, yeah, the Ducks won. But what about the former Duck coach, Willie Taggart? He's got some splaining to do after getting blown out at Syracuse. That audio coming up for you next on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show, FM News 101 KXL. Welcome back to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show, FM News 101 KXL. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. And you at 503-417-9595. 503-417-9595. Mario Cristobal and the Ducks escaped today. Well, I don't really call it an escape. They weren't challenged in the end. It wasn't a one-score game. It was certainly... It lacked a certain degree of, of impression. 35-22, to 22, the final score. Oregon beats San Jose State. Keep in mind, 
the line set in Vegas for this game was Ducks minus 41, and it ends up being, you know, it... <laughs> A 13-point game in the end, Neil. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jordan Ken owes me like three or four coconut almond milk lattes. I mean, no <laughs> question about that. Two names that stick out to me besides Coach Brennan, what a great job he did for San Jose State. This is the coaching staff, uh, their whole crew to get this team prepared, get this team ready to play mentally, physically, spiritually. Really, they, they played in all three phases. That's why I call people say, okay, defense, offense, special teams. you got to be physically mentally, and your heart ready to play. The two names that came out to me, Joss Oliver on defense. I mean, a stud. I mean, he is for the uh, a nominee for the John Mackey Award winner, which reminds me of that great tight end that Portland State has. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Toa Teow is amazing. Charlie T, Charlie T is pretty sweet for Portland State. He had a big game today, by the way. We'll talk about that later. And then Owen Boogie Roberts. The little defensive tack, not little, guy's about 305, had an awesome game. Uh, sharing with his teammates, they did, did a great job putting pressure on the running game, pressure on Justin Herbert. They can kind of contain this game where that's why they didn't get the 50, 60 points, was that defensive front four. Uh, linebacker stunts did a heck of a job. Uh, did a good, good job of really confusing and just kind of making this a game. This was not the blowout. We all expected it should be, and it could have been, but it was not. And again, I, I give credit to San Jose State's defense. 503-417-9595. If you're on your way back from Eugene watching the Duck game down at Autzen, call in with uh, your reaction. You can also tweet uh, at KXL News. I'm at Jude Danubi as well. We'll get your Twitter reaction read out on the air. Neil, how did you feel that Justin Herbert played in this football game? We know the three touchdowns, one of them coming on fourth down again when they went going for it on the edge of field goal range, turning what? Would have been a 39-yard field goal attempt. And going for it on fourth and nine, throws a dime piece to Johnny Johnson. He does. But it didn't feel like it was coming easy for him today. Well, there was, there was three or four opportunities where they probably would have kicked a field goal, uh, maybe right, even right before the half. But they got the pick. But the third quarter is a one in the early fourth quarter. It's two or three times that uh, Mario Cristobal would decide, hey, this is a really close game, but I want to see what we can do under pressure. Uh, you know, again, it doesn't matter how I feel. I, I still feel Justin Herbert is a stud. He's, he's a great young man. I think he's even a better quarterback. He will be that. He'll be, uh, to me, the top two or three quarterbacks, not just in the Pac-12, but in the nation. But he did, he'll say to himself, he probably, I was inconsistent, made some bad decisions. I made some throws I want to take back, made some kind of throws that were a little off, but I thought I could make a couple throws. Because of his arm strength and his ability and his confidence, there was a couple balls that I saw. I, I I can get this in here. That window is small, but I can I can make this throw. And I think he hit one of four of those. They'd say, you know, maybe I should have went to check down. Maybe I should have pumped that and ran. Second thought. But it's so easy on Sunday morning when you're watching the film and watching the tape. Because I'll tell you this, folks. You're never as good as you thought you played. And you're never as bad as you thought you played when you watch tape. Because somebody else makes a mistake that forces you to make a decision that you really wouldn't have made yourself. That's the bottom line of watching the film. There was an Oregon Duck practice out at the Nike headquarters that uh, I went to, their fifth practice of fall camp. And I remember asking Justin Herbert when we were uh, talking to him, I said, is there any throw that you're working on in particular? Is there any, any throw that you feel you can't make, that you're trying to work on? I thought it was a decent question. You know, I was thinking anything outside the numbers, you know, any deep balls you're working on. And he just said, 
I'm working on the throws that don't get intercepted. <laughs> like all tongue in cheek like that, but it goes to show to your point. He feels like he can make any throw in the book. Absolutely. And, and, and when it gets tipped, it's not his fault. I mean, people, again, always blame the quarterback for a bad throw. And again, when you watch the tape and you watch film, you talk to Marcus Arroyo. Again, I, I believe the receiver a lot of times. And again, for Oregon, there's eight of them yeah. that catch balls. Jacob Breland, C.J. Verdell, Johnny Johnson, Ryan Bay, Dylan Mitchell. David Davis caught a ball. Okay, let's throw David Davis in there. Nice. You got, you got a little love for 13 yards. So, again, the consistency to, to throw that many times to that many players. I mean, I'm used to even the pros. There's four or five guys I'd go to. And even at Portland State, we had four or five guys I would go to. You know, Oregon keeps bringing in more and more athletes. So th- think about what Justin has to get the timing, the relationship, the rhythm with not just the four or five guys, but eight or nine different receivers that come in the ball game. It's a difficult task. It's, it has its positives because there's so many guys coming in and they're running around. They're really good athletes, but it also has its negative that I got to know the timing. Uh, as we say, know your personnel. I always tell quarterbacks this in high school, college, know your personnel. Who's got, who can run that seven route? Who runs that shake eight a little better? Who runs the China a little better? Who runs that wheel a little better? You have to know all your personnel. That's a lot of pressure on Justin. Uh, he's going to be fine. Uh, struggle today. He'll be the first to admit today it wasn't his best effort. One guy we didn't see make an impact today that we've seen make big impacts all year long was Jalen Red, the uh, receiver for yeah. the Ducks that uh, wears number 30, so it gives off the impression that he might be a scat back, little tailback. Now, this dude makes pa- plays in the passing game. That's that's what he does. Jalen Red was planned in this game. Uh, he had a dropped pass today, but he didn't make any uh, any catches or any big explosive plays, whereas the wide position, Neil, as you've been affectionately referring to it as, uh, you know, the, the tight ends. They came up big today, and it was good to see Jacob Breland have a breakout game of sorts. You consider the injury that ended the season of Cam McCormick, so you're looking for guys to step up at that position. We saw Ryan Bay, the Tiger kid, make some plays right. too, but Jacob Breland, bit of a breakout game for him. And Kalen Dillon, didn't see 85. Yeah. Uh, I think I had one drop, one bad throw to him. I saw him have two or three opportunities to catch the ball, but you're right. I'm looking out for Jalen Red. Uh, there's nothing here for Jalen Red, but again, I, I I love the fact how they use Ryan Bay, Jacob Breland, Kanan Dillon in that Y or tight end position. Um, they just do a great job of of just the diversity, the the bringing in different packages, bringing in different athletes, different positions. First down, second down, third down, down the road. That's a huge positive for the Ducks. Could you argue that having a struggle of a game like this? is a good thing to get your attention before a Stanford game rather than to have it come easy? You know, that's a coin toss on that one. I mean, my thing always is, but we talked about this with Jordan earlier. I mean, this is your third, your third exhibition game that you're supposed to score 60. You're supposed to blow them out. Most of the season ticket holders are giving them tickets away these first three games. You know, I don't want to go that one. They're going to blow them out. I don't want to go that one. Uh, go ahead. Go to the San Go to the, hey, take my tickets to the San Jose State game because I'm going to Stanford. And that's kind of how maybe this felt. Uh, so three in a row, scheduling. Um, I did like what Chris Miller said, though. I forgot about it. You know, Texas A&M did pull out of it. So this was like, oh, by the way, what, what can we get? So it wasn't like Oregon's fault or Rob Mullins' fault or a Hellfridge or whoever was here to make the schedule. They did have a pullout game with Texas A&M. And that would have been, quote, the dog, the tough dog that you wanted to play before Stanford. And if you look at the future schedules, you're not going to get any more cupcakes no. all three yeah. weeks in a row, man. Yeah. 
you've got Ohio State home and homes coming up. You know, you've got Michigan State on your future schedules. You've got Georgia coming up, you know, in Atlanta. Speaking of the dogs, yeah. you've got some bulldogs there. You've got some real bulldogs. So, look, if I actually think, you know, this cupcake scheduling, I don't have a problem with it at all. It sets you up for success. You need wins in college football. It's all about getting wins. Don't mess around with that. Don't schedule these road games at Northern Illinois if you're Utah. Don't mess around with that. Cupcake City, baby. Get them all at home. Beat them all. Who cares if it looks good or if it looks bad? Get it in the win column. That gives yourself a best chance of being a top 15 team, maybe. Maybe sniffing the college football playoff if you win enough of them. And at least a New Year's Six. That should be the objective. I'm fine with cupcakes. Well, and you'll look back, don't say, hey, it was the right thing to do. Because look at Oregon. We beat Stanford. We beat Washington at home. We did the things we're supposed to do. So in three or four or five weeks from now, Judo, as we continue this show, we'll talk about those things. Maybe that wasn't a good thing. Or what was. So hard to say. But right now, understandably, the offense, disappointed. They're frustrated. Justin's going to look at this go, I get myself so much better. And I'm going to be ready to rock and roll next Saturday. That's why I think this is a good thing. I think today was a good thing for Oregon. Well, I'm glad you feel that way because I'm, I'm happy when you're happy. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's why we work so well together. All right, we'll go out. Dane Vodder's got your game day traffic coming up. And as promised, we will uh, reset that Oregon State-Nevada score. Things getting interesting in the third quarter. And Willie Taggart's reaction to losing at Syracuse. It's all coming up on Oregon College Football Postgame Show on KXL. All right, having fun reacting to the college football action around town. And uh, you can call in 503-417-9595. 503-417-9595. We just got word. College game day from ESPN will be in Eugene next Saturday for Oregon and Stanford. It's going to be a matchup of certainly top 20 teams. We'll see how far Oregon rises up in the rankings come Monday when the new AP poll comes out. Well, I guess that's actually Sunday when yeah. the new AP poll will come out, and uh, we'll see how far Oregon is. We'll probably, I'd probably pick them right around 17 or 18. They're 20 right now. The Cardinal, ranked ninth in the country, they get a win today over UC Davis. A couple of top 10 teams went down today. Wisconsin losing at home to a non-conference team, BYU. First non-conference home loss for Whiskey in 15 years. 41 games. They get stunned by the Cougars and Kalani Sataki, the former Oregon State defensive coordinator, goes into Camp Randall and pulls the upset of Paul Christ. So you have that. Wisconsin, they're going to fall down in the rankings from number four. You have Auburn losing today at home. Another top 10 team. Down they go to LSU. A field goal at the buzzer. Takes down the Tigers in the Tiger Bowl. Two Tigers in that one from Jordan Hare in Auburn, Alabama. So my question, how far does Stanford rise up? You're going to get a number seven, maybe number six team coming into Autzen Stadium at five o'clock on ABC next Saturday. And we'll, of course, have all the countdown to kick off an Oregon College football postgame show reaction right here in Neil Lomax. College game day, Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreet. These guys are going to be there in Eugene for the first time in what real feels like forever. It's going to be so much fun. It's just been a couple of years. They, they were a couple of years ago, but I got to get Lee Corso on. I met him, I don't know, 82, 83. I was the Cardinals. He came in to do some feature uh, when he was done coaching, and it's been a long time. I love Kurt Herbstreit. I think he's great. Uh, so I somehow, some way, man, I'm going to work, try to work some magic here, talk to the Ducks, <laughs> media personnel, promotions, marketing, whoever. Rob Mullins, help me out here. I might have to call Phil. 
Yeah. Uncle Phil. Just dial him up, man. Help me out. I, I still got a whole lot of stock. Come on, man. Help That's me right. Give me, give me some with Lee. But, no, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter that much right now. It's all the, the, the rankings, RPIs. The Ducks will be 15, 16, 17. Stanford's in there. Depends on what Washington does today. You know, if they lose, they'll be dropping out. Um, but you're right. Big game. You know, LSU proving their, their power. Burrow's a great quarterback. There's a great story on him in Sports Illustrated, his family. And they did a heck of a job beating Auburn today. So, but going to be pretty exciting down in Eugene. Can't wait. Next man. Saturday. So good, baby. Now they changed that. It's still five o'clock kick, right? Yep. Okay. And so it's going to be the primetime game on ABC. Where I, I, I currently, still, Ohio State's playing TCU. On 5 o'clock ABC. That's where the Ducks are going to play Stanford in 24 hours. Or, excuse me, in one week time. <laughs> I wouldn't rush it. I'm so pumped for this game. And that's a and that's a good game going on right now. Ohio State and, and uh, TCU as we're watching. Update Oregon State and Nevada. Uh, the Beavers are punting. Still good good game going on here. 30-21. to 21, 5 minutes, 40 seconds left in the third. But can we kind of change channels back to Syracuse, Florida State? Let's do it. Because you do that because... I'm a big fan of Eric Dungey. I was when the, when the kid played at at, or, at uh, Lake Ridge High School. He was only in for a quarter, quarter and a half. He gets hurt, uh, but man, he rushed. I see Eric nine times. They they run this offense. I love it. This is a spread offense. It's air raid, but he has that three read offense again. Do I run it? Do I pass it? How do I read it to check out? They check out of all kinds of different things depending on coverage. But the guy's got feet. I mean, he was rushed. Nine times, 33 yards before he got hurt. And then they put in Dane DeVito's little grandson. Tommy DeVito came in and played and did a heck of a job. <laughs> Is that really him? I don't know. I'm just going with it. <laughs> 11 for 16. But again, I, here's a stat that blows me away about Florida State. Florida State, 62 yards total rushing. Gross. 62 yards total rushing. And that's Florida State when their leading rusher has 50 yards. And it, their old line was terrible. Terrible against well, the Syracuse D line. I saw some, couldn't block no uh, Yeah, I saw some big five star guys who've been recruited. Oh, they were, they were here, here we go, go again. They're five With star guys. Tailgating's never been re- better. Recruited Unlike that could days. not block whatsoever. I mean, it was it was it was actually absolutely a joke uh, how Syracuse put that pressure. I want to hear about the Carrier Dome. I want to hear about the noise. I want to hear about what Willie Taggart has to say. All right, here is some Willie Taggart. Reaction from this loss in the Carrier Dome. Well, they should. I mean, we're not we're not performing the way they expect us to, or the way we expect us to. And our fans have every right to be upset. They, there's an expectation here. There's a standard here, and we're not living up to it. You know. So, um, but I will tell them, don't give up on this football team. Please don't give up on this football team. But um, if some do, we understand, and we'll we'll work our tail off to get them back. Please don't give up on this football team. Sounds like a plea, man. Well, but he's he's right. I mean, I mean, you're you're jumping the gun really quickly here as far as you know giving up on this football team. He's not going to. He's just started, and he's going to talk about I, I haven't had a chance for two or three years to recruit the certain player, the certain culture. I want to change. That's the, that's the that's the line everybody uses now, and you got to be careful with that because that's a very serious comment. I talk about that with the high schools I go to is changing this culture. Well, to change a culture, you need leaders. Leaders change culture, so you got to find that right leader because the leaders will bring in. Players that will adopt, adapt, adopt to your rules, all that. They will come in and feel that confidence, feel that change. When that change happens, it's a beautiful thing. So that that cold, Willie, the fans won't give up, up on you maybe because they're loyal Seminoles. Will you guys figure out a way to get these players, like he said, to raise up that standard? 
there's a standard expected at Tallahassee. We got more coming up on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. 503-417-9595. Chutanubi Neil Lomax here on FM News 101 KXL. Second down, Herbert fires to a wide open. Jacob Breland, who is off to the races. 10-5, touchdown, Oregon. 65 yards, and Herbert with his 10th touchdown pass of the young season. Well, you watched it on the Pac-12 Network. Now you're reacting to it here on FM News 101 KXL. 503-417-9595. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax on the Oregon College Football post-game show. Plenty of uh, takeaways from this one. Uh, Mario Cristobal was just at the podium moments ago here. Uh, in in a couple phases, I thought offensively, uh, certainly that's not the standard for the way we run the football. Had some negative plays, put us in some tough down and distance situations. Had some bright moments in the passing game. Um, had some bright moments on special teams as well, minus a big return in the kicking game. And uh, on defense, had some really, really nice moments. They hit a couple of big plays, but overall, uh, they, they had some really impressive stands, especially after a long kickoff return deep in our territory. So uh, with that being said, we'll open up to questions. Uh, so that was his uh, first impressions for the game. And, you know, for, for Mario Cristobal, you know, Neil, are you thankful that this kind of a game got your team's attention ahead of a big game with Stanford next week? I hope that works out for them. You know, start out with defense, though. You know, the pick, uh, right away, Javon. Holland makes the pick, and then we had the big play from Herbert to to Jacob Breland. Great look off, by the way. I was watching that uh, here in the studio here, and they had a, I call it a little shake eight where he delays a little bit for an out, then runs right down the seam as your inside receiver, the number three receiver, runs a deep post to clear out. And they had a great, I mean, Justin Herbert looks off the, the, the eight route with the free safety, comes back to Jacob Breland. It wasn't really a busted coverage. It was just that when you play that three deep zone, you have two kind of post routes, Going down the seam, the safety's in a bind. That was a beautiful scheme. Marcus Arroyo, wherever they want to call their scheme, we call that a shake eight. Man, and what a beautiful ball. But that started out by the defense. You know, a couple of early picks, got them going, uh, got their starting quarterback out of the game. Defensively, they put a lot of pressure on both quarterbacks. Montel Aaron was playing pretty well. I think he's more the run threat for them. Uh, I don't think when Josh Love came in, he wasn't that run threat. So he had to throw the ball a lot more. And that put them in, in, in a situation where they can control that San Jose State offense. Because, again, I, I loved their Josh Oliver, their tight end. That, that guy is going to be playing on Sundays. Yep, he's a uh, Mackey Award watch list guy. He's probably going to be a finalist by the time it's all said and done. Josh Oliver, six catches for 41 yards and a touchdown. And a beautiful touchdown catch at that. I mean, you make a touchdown catch like that against a team like Oregon on the road, that's going to get some NFL scouts' eyes real big. Yeah, that's a big body. That's yep. a big body going for those fade routes. You see that all the time now. I mean, every team has it. You get that 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six guy uh, against some five foot ten skilled athlete, defensive back, but still, the odds are three out of four times you're going to come down with that ball. And then Oliver, uh, looking forward to see what he will do. We'll, we'll follow him. The next seven or eight weeks, you know, we'll kind of click on San Jose State once in a while and see what is his stats. Him and Boogie, I want Boogie. Where I want some defensive tackle stats for Boogie, my man Boogie at the two gapper at the nose guard. I love watching him play. Yeah, Brandon's got a couple. I love listening to you talk about tight ends, man. You've got a soft spot in your heart for them. They can be, they can be, uh, well, well, you know, security blankets of sorts for well, you they're, too. They're, they're extended to the tackle. They get no respect. They're kind of like, hey, get next to the tackle and shut up and be quiet and just kind of play there and put a hand out once in a while. They're <laughs> a skilled receiver, especially in Oregon Ducks offense. Uh, you know, we call the X and Zs or outside the Ys inside a little bit. You have your fullback, your halfback, your H or your Q, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but I, the spread teams use that 
tight end and why uh, better than anybody else because they just make you go to sleep a little bit. All of a sudden, they did the little delay route, and they got speed. These guys aren't just 5-4 tackles. I mean, these guys are running 4-5s, four 4-6s, four so it's going to be fun to watch. Who's the favorite tight end you ever played with when you were with the Cardinals? Uh, I'd say Jay Novacek. We yeah. had Jay Novacek. People don't remember. He Long went time actually, Cowboy, he, Actually, right? we traded. They traded him the Cowboys, which, oh, bonehead move by the Cardinals, which, you know, <laughs> surprise. Um, <laughs> God, why get rid of one of our better players? I, I can't even remember who we got him, who we got for Jay Novacek. He went on to win like two more Super Bowls with the Cowboys. Well, he was really, really a joy to play with. Very smart. Comes from the University of Wyoming. One of the guys actually taught me how to, sh- how to shoot guns. Never shot guns before. That boy was a Cabela's cowboy. He was fun to be around. Yeah, he played for you guys. Uh, 85 draft pick. He was a receiver, played on special teams then. Moved to tight end in 1986. He was on the IR for a while. But, uh, yeah, you were able to throw him the ball a little bit in 87, 88, and 90. It looks like that's when he was traded yeah. to, uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. And Troy, Troy Aikman loved that. Yeah, Thank Aikman, you very much. You know, between that and the Herschel Walker trade for the Cowboys, I mean, shoot, that that helped build their dynasty. And Novacek ended up being a big player in the uh, the postseason, obviously for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. But before that, he was made great by Neil Lomax. That's the oh, story. Yeah, well, no, he he made me a better quarterback, and also that's why Ryan Bay and Kano uh, Dillon will make Justin Herbert a better quarterback too. That. That position right there with those three receivers is huge for the Ducks. Well, it wasn't an outstanding game for Justin Herbert. It was a decent game, but we're used to seeing him play outstanding every single week. This was Mario Cristobal's take on uh, his starting quarterback today. Well, they uh, they mix up dropping eight, three-man rush and dropping eight, and they mix it up with zone pressure, man pressure, a lot of movement up front. Um, so there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys. And to me, what affected it most was being off schedule from a down-and-distance standpoint. A negative play or a zero-yardage gain uh, or no gain on first down starts putting you in second and 10 or second and 12. Um, certainly, it's not the best of choices, especially when you go, go it escalates a third down and long. So um, I blame that on us. We got to do a better job um, just making sure that we are executing better. I mean, I think the, the best part about this thing is when you go in the locker room, the mood is just not content, not satisfied. And I think that there's a great lesson in that, you know, we, we learned, you can learn a lesson, you can watch tape and learn from this without having paid the price of not winning a football game. So that being said, I mean, I don't want to downplay. There are some bright moments and some guys that made some really good plays. You know, great to see Jacob Breeland back there doing some things and Justin found him and and Justin found a couple other guys and sometimes we didn't connect. Sometimes we dropped the ball. But um, overall, I know, uh, not disappointed with his play at all. I know he is very critical of himself and that's okay. We, we, we want our players to have high standards for themselves. Oh, a lot of different little tidbits to unpack in that, Neil. What stands out to you? Well, off schedule. That, that's an interesting term I've ever heard. Mario Cristobal has said a lot of things I've never heard uh, head coaches talk about. I mean, to praise your offensive lineman, to praise uh, Shane Lemieux like he did earlier today, that segment was, I think it was incredible. It's awesome. It's so uh, transforming, really, for college athletes. Uh, no question, the ne- negative first down plays. I mean, every coach will say that. You go back and look at, is, is it a zero gain, is it a minus gain? All of a sudden, your sticks are second and ten. It's never happened because what do you got? Okay, they're so explosive. The Ducks are so used to being just, don't worry about it. We'll pick this up. You know, third, second ten, second fifteen, third and fifteen, no big deal for us. Well, today, 
all of a sudden had a little competition. It, it became a big deal, and it will become a big deal because he talked about they're not content, and no one is ever content. But when you're getting out second 10, second 12, you know, second 8, second 15 because of a penalty, he's right. That that puts you in a different off schedule. That's an interesting way to put it. Mm-hmm. You're not quite practicing that because usually the positive first down play is so important. It really is. In your own mindset offensively, I know as a quarterback, second 8 minus, second 6 to 10, a lot better than that second 15. Obviously, it makes sense, but still... That off-schedule comment, though, was interesting how, how how he puts it that way. Well, and it comes back to your rushing on first down. You know, if you're not in second and five, why is that? Did you run the football well on first down? No. 2.7 yards of carry against San Jose State? And, and again, that was because of the schemes. He talked about the zone pressure. He talked about man pressure. So what that mean, folks, is on zone pressure, you can still play a, man, a zone defense with six, seven guys in zone dropping in, in, in a area coverage, but you're bringing four or five to one strong side or a weak side. So you're putting pressure on one side. For example, his right side. You're bringing four or five rushers, but you can still play zone. In man, you're going to bring about six or seven rushers and play four across or five across, one free in a man situation. So you can bring pressure in different ways. And it sounded like from Mario Cristobal, San Jose State did a very, very effective job of mixing that up that made them get a lot of negative plays. Well, Crystal Ball was asked again specifically about the offensive line and their play today. The struggle was more related to the run game where we had some pressure and some movement. They like bringing the Sam or the field linebacker and the safety at the same time from the backside. So that makes the entire defensive line slant. Well, a lot of our runs early were to the boundary. Those guys were slanting and getting penetration, thus causing some negative plays. <laughs> so um, some plays adjusted well to it. Sometimes it didn't. It made the a little bit more difficult for the back but the the cause of the negative is penetration and and you've got to find a way to diffuse it and part of it's your footwork and your body position and whatnot um we settled down a little bit in the second half in the third quarter there now the the plays were more positive we had eliminated negative plays but yes we did not uh we didn't play up to our standard up front as it relates to the run game and the passing game there was some positive stuff because they brought a lot of pressures and we blocked them well for the most part uh they did get to justin once and they pressure him, I believe, two or three times. Uh, But there were some positive things in protection. You know, a little bit unexpected for the offensive line to not dominate a team like San Jose State, but to your point, Neil, you've been coming back to this. You've been giving props to their nose tackle and the way they they played those big bodies spilling into those single-digit jerseys. But those guys have played well. you got to give San Jose State a lot of credit. But it does worry me slightly, I'd say. And look, obviously, you know, it's Mario Cristobal's team. But if you go back to the Boise State game and the Vegas Bowl, Boise State dominated the trench war. Dominated the trench war. Oregon couldn't run. They couldn't set up the play action at all. It got them off schedule, exactly what Crystal Ball was saying. You yep. didn't see that as much against Bowling Green and Portland State, but you saw it again today, and I would be lying if I didn't say I'm a little worried with Stanford. Those guys always win the trench battle. And a lot of, and a lot of stunts and blitzes coming from Stanford. Uh, Joey Alferrera is a great linebacker, a kid from Jesuit. Right. Uh, they have some really good personnel defensively that we haven't talked about yet. We'll pregame that next week in our show, and I'm sure we'll pump that up and promote that up with you know, with John Canzano through the week. But Stanford's going to be a lot quicker, a lot better, and he talks about the POA. It's point of attack. Where's that point of attack? So if we're running toward the boundary and we're, and we're, and we're slaying that way and reaching that way, well, you better take the proper footwork. This shouldn't be a surprise. So this is correctable. It's easy corrections. They'll work on it. They'll get a lot better. And it's going to be, again, I'm so... 
excited. I mean, Stanford back here, and then when the Washington game happens too, man, it game on. Well, the one I'm starting to worry about is that Cal in between. And don't, don't worry about that. See, there's certain things you can't control, Judah, so just don't worry about that one. Let's just be concerned about Stanford coming up. That's Neil Lomax. I'm Shooter Newby. It's the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Would rather be Oregon than Florida State. <laughs> Get some more of that reaction. Plus, Scott Frost is 0-2. What's Chip Kelly going to do tonight? A lot more left on FM News 101 KXL. And I'm Dane Vodder with your game day traffic. Taking a look around the Eugene area. Not too bad getting out of town for you. If you're headed northbound up then to the Salem or Portland area, you will run into some slowing as you roll past Highway 34 approaching Albany. That does clear up right around Millersburg. Going to want to add just about five minutes to your drive there. Everywhere else out of Eugene is all green for you right now. Uh, Doesn't seem too bad leaving the game right there around Autzen Stadium. Not too much uh, traffic there for you. Check the Portland area. We are still watching this accident on the inbound Banfield right at the I-5 split. This is causing about an eight-minute delay back through the Hollywood district. Uh, and then over on the west side, inbound sunset from the zoo to the tunnel. An extra two or three minutes to get you into 4.05. I'm Dane Vodder. We'll get you back to the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax here in just four and a half minutes. That'll be $6.66, sir. I saw that. Saw what? You just put a tracking device in my lettuce. And $6.66? I suppose that's just a coincidence, too. This guy is totally a Ground Zero listener. Sir, I just rang up your items. Rang up? You mean you scanned them? The number one show for guys who like to fly around in black helicopters. Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis. Weeknights, 7 to midnight on FM News 101. Vancouver Ford is number one in selection, number one in sales, and number one in customer service. Visit the area's number one Ford store, Vancouver Ford, at the Vancouver Auto Park, just north of SR500, or at VancouverFord.com, where you'll drive a little and save a lot. If you want your car to last for the long haul, switch to Mobile Super Synthetic Oil from Baxter Auto Parts. It provides high temperature protection for long engine life, and make the finest oil perform even better with Wix XP High Premium Oil Filters. Nothing but the best for your car at Baxter Auto Parts. Don't miss the Baxter Auto Parts NHRA Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series, September 15th and 16th at Woodburn Drag Strip. Get $5 discount coupons at Baxter Auto Parts. Your best friend under the hood. Here's to the little wins in life. Like the fact that receiving a big hug can actually burn calories. And cuddling with a puppy is stress therapy in a very who's a good girl kind of way. So put on some SPF 30, take a walk without a destination, and know that whatever little win wins the day for you, Kaiser Permanente will help you thrive your way every day. Kaiser Permanente. Thrive. Visit kp.org to learn more. Ram trucks. Wow, these spectacular trucks from the brand new Dick Hanna Ram Truck Center are populating the workman and soccer mom driveways all over town. And now with every new Dick Hanna Ram truck, we'll give you a lifetime warranty at no cost. Unlimited time, unlimited miles for life, and you can service your Ram anywhere. Our new Ram Superstore has only been open about a half a year, but because of low prices, and now there's lifetime warranty, we've been number one and we're staying there. Get a 2018 Ram 1500 quad cab 4x4, lease it to Today, $189 a month for 36 months with 3000 due at signing.
Brand new Ram 1500, 189 a month. Plus, we're taking delivery on 2019 models almost daily. We're seeing buyers from Eugene, Medford, Seattle, all over the Northwest. We got one of the largest inventories in the entire Northwest during Ram Power Days, right between the bridges with no Washington sales tax to Oregon residents. Decana Ram Truck Center near the giant Vancouver Auto Mall. Decana dealerships believe in nice. Get ready to fall into incredible savings on brand new weather-tight windows and patio doors. It's renewal by Anderson's 20% off super sale. The rainy, windy days of autumn will no longer be a problem when you save 20% with any replacement window or patio door from Renewal by Anderson. Renewal by Anderson's windows and patio doors are as beautiful as they are energy efficient, and they're designed with their exclusive Fibrex material for unmatched strength and durability. Enjoy comfort and savings all year long. Plus, right now you can save with no money down, no payments, and no interest for 12 full months. Tina and I trust Renewal by Anderson's team of certified master installers because they always go the extra mile to make sure we're satisfied with our new windows and doors. They're simply the best in the business. Get a free in-home estimate. Take advantage of super savings. Call now, 503-906-2812. 906-2812. Online, go to renewalbyradio.com. That's renewalbyradio.com. Financing on approved credit. CCB number 198571. Portrait Supply Hardware stores are closing and prices have been slashed. Now save 15 to 50 percent at all Orchard Supply Hardware locations. All lowest ticketed prices. Limited exceptions apply. Everything is on sale. Grills, patio furniture, paint, hardware tools, electrical plumbing, and more. Everything must go. 15 to 50 percent off your favorite brands. 15 to 50 percent off all your DIY and home repair needs. Off lowest ticketed prices. Limited exceptions apply. Don't miss the huge liquidation savings at Orchard Supply Hardware store closing sale. Tune into KXL this Sunday at 11 and join Jeff Dixon, the retirement coach, for the Jeff Dixon Show. Securities and advisory services offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, MAS. Member FINRA and SIPC. A registered investment advisor, MAS and Northwest Financial and Tax Solutions are not affiliated companies. This is the Oregon College Football Postgame Show with Judah Newby and Neil Lomax. Presented by Frost Brewed Coors Light on FM News 101, KXL. Five zero three four one seven nine five nine five five zero three four one seven nine five nine five. Oregon wins thirty five twenty two, and they are halfway to being bowl eligible. <laughs> the Duckies are three and zero, but of course the big one coming in seven days time when Oregon will host David Shaw and Stanford five o'clock next Saturday on ABC. We'll be able to break that one down later on in the uh, postgame show here. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax. Uh, you know, it's better to be Oregon than it is to be Florida State. And the former Duck coach, Willie Taggart, has his hands full. A lot of problems at FSU right now. They started the year ranked 19th. They lose at home to Virginia Tech, convincingly winning uh, for Justin Fuente and Vautech in that game. They barely beat Samford to the Knowles. Then they go up to Syracuse today. And they lose 30-7 to to a two-quarterback system at, at Syracuse. Eric Dungy gets hurt in that game. The Lake Ridge High School product gives way to the backup. The backup torches, torches FSU's defense. And Willie Taggart has got some questions to answer. And the former Duck coach was asked if he'd ever consider giving up play calling. 
<laughs> after this loss. Would you consider giving up play calling, not just not because of your play calling, but giving you time to focus on the rest of the team? Uh, I'm focused on the team now. No, I'm not considering that. Um, I think I know what I'm doing, and I've had success doing it before. So, um, and I don't focus on the entire team. I know exactly what's going on with our football team right now. Yeah. And, and he should. I mean, he's a head coach. You better have knowledge of the entire football team. Is there something to be I mean, said for for dialing back his play calling responsibilities to focus on other aspects well, of his well, team, or what do you think? No, but if, who's upstairs? That's that's a key in in high school, college, pros. Is who's upstairs from thirty thousand feet with that view? You know, you're up in the press box. Uh, you're communicating that down to the play call on the sideline. Here's the coverage. Here's what they're doing. Here's how they're rotating. Here's what they're playing. Here's the scheme up front. Are they going? Are they slanting strong, slanting weak? Here's what we've done against it all week long. This is what we practiced. I told you before. It's not so much the play calling; it's the execution of those plays. Because there's adjustments built in to every single play. So what Coach Taggart is saying is, "Hey, I know what I'm doing. I'm calling the right play." What he's not saying is, "My Our players, offensive line was my terrible. Players, <laughs> my players right now aren't executing." Now Herm Edwards might have got excited about it and talked about that. These guys aren't playing. You got to play to win. You know. Willie Taggart kind of calmed down and says, I know what I'm doing. I'm calling the correct play. We are not executing. I mean, you're calling a pass play that might work, a 0-7 or smash corner, but that five-star right tackle who's the junior who's really, really good, and he whiffs, and Francois gets an ear hole from an orangeman? Well, okay. Is that a bad play call? No. It's terrible execution on pass protection. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little, little love, a little Band-Aid, Coach Taggart there, that don't give up yet. Now, ACC... It's still going to come now. They're going to have Miami. They're going to have the Wake Forests and here and there, but they're still going to play Clemson, right? Yeah, they have they got Northern Illinois coming up next week at home in Tallahassee. Then okay. they are on the road to Bobby Petrino in Louisville. Then they are on the road to Mark Richt in Miami, October See, 6th. That, that, okay, that will be the game. That was an awesome game last year on ESPN. That was fun yeah, to watch. That was a good one. So you now be sitting here going, Neil, remember three weeks before I was seeing he can call his place? We'll see what happens that night. That, yeah. That'll be the litmus test, what happens against that Miami game. you got to block people, man. I mean, if FSU can't block Syracuse, I don't think they could block anybody. I mean, I'll see what they do at home against Northern Illinois, but Willie Taggart's in a lot of trouble. How about another former Duck assistant, Scott Frost, forced to play backup quarterback today, and remember... There was a Nebraska second-string quarterback that transferred to Oregon State a couple of weeks ago, and so they're pretty thin at that position. They lose the true freshman Adrian Martinez to a knee injury on a hit by a Colorado linebacker in week two of the season. They play a backup QB today, and they lose at home to Troy. Final score, 24-19. to Scott Frost on the loss. It's just got to happen. They've been working hard enough. They deserve to to win and they deserve to win a bunch of games as hard as they've been working um sometimes it's got to happen and once it does things get a lot better but i, I got a bunch of guys in the locker room that are broken hearted no, you know it doesn't hurt anybody worse than the coaches and um those guys in the locker room and nobody's happy with what's happened um so we have we all have a lot of work to tell you what it's a passionate fan base in lincoln and uh, this was pretty surprising for, from all things considered. All right, got 30 minutes left on FM News 101 KXL, the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. <laughs> A lot of good action in college football today. I feel like I say that every week, but 
Week three has been surprises all over the place. Judah Newby, Neil Lomax is the Oregon College Football Post Game Show here with you for another half an hour on FM News 101 KXL. Ducks win 35-22 over San Jose State to improve to 3-0 on the season ahead of a showdown with top 10 ranked Stanford Cardinal, 5 o'clock on ABC next week, and College Game Day will be there. They are coming to your city, Eugene, so get ready for that. Start lining it up on Friday night. You know, pack the streets, get ready, camp out on campus, get ready to greet Lee Corso and company. That's going to be a great one. Ducks on national TV next week. But for the Beavers, here's an update with them. Jamar Jefferson just plunged into the end zone from one yard out. Extra point is good. Current score, Nevada 30, Oregon State 28. In the fourth quarter, Neil Lomax, the Beavers are plugging away. Beaver Nation. Come on. You're excited. And I'm glad it's on TV. (laughs) It wasn't going to be on TV like about, what, six, seven hours ago or something. So a great ball game. Beavers defense is a rising to the occasion. I think being ranked 20th in the nation and rushing is going to really pay off here. We know about Jefferson. Too bad Pierce is out. But if they can get the ball back, control it, this is a great opportunity for Oregon State to break the 20 game, four years Ooh. road losing streak. Come on now, Beeves. Do it for this, Beeves. Come on now. Now, to be fair, I picked them to lose 40 to 35 in this game, but Neil, the defense for Oregon State has been so stingy in this second half. I mean, they have, Nevada had a 30 to 7 lead yeah. in the second quarter. And here come the Beavs. They're all the way back. Three unanswered touchdowns in the next two quarters. But Oregon State's defense has been standing up to the occasion. Yeah, 21 straight unanswered points by the Oregon State offense. And uh, it's stagnant right now. And again, I'm, we're watching on TV, folks. You get home and watch. The wind's blowing like 20, 25 miles an hour, which it does in Reno and Vegas. Looks like a little cool. So weather's a factor. Twilight's going away. The sun's dropping down now. But it's going to be a great Final 11 minutes and 40 seconds. So, Beavs, you got it again. That's a big deal, though. I think them rushing the ball that well, uh, how well they attack, tackle to tackle, is big in this game. Because you don't want to be throwing right now. The wind's blowing, and, and that's, uh, that's the downfall right now of the Wolfpack. Gangy, he's throwing the ball almost every other snap. So that, that wind's blowing, and uh, a detriment to them, and a positive thing for Oregon State. They were three and out, taking in score. This is going to be a great last 11 minutes. How about Portland State? The alma mater. They go to Hillsborough Stadium and take care of business today in a big win over College of Idaho of the NAIA. Final score, Portland State 63. College of Idaho 14. And it's the first victory for the Vikings since the 2016 season. That sounds a lot more familiar with Portland State scores, man. (laughs) I'm used to that. I'm used to those 75 nothings, 105 nothings. That was a good win. It's a win. Yeah, it's College of Idaho. The Coyotes... The you know, NAIA, the Frontier Conference, but you know when you've had 134 points scored against you in two weeks. I mean, I mean, come on, 134 points scored against you, and you've lost the last 15 games. You you, you were nine and three. Portland State was nine and three in 2015, and you've been three and 21 since. Now, six of those losses were payday games. Six of those losses were to FBS schools. Oregon, Oregon State, et cetera. But, man, uh, it wins a win. Uh, I heard it was a great atmosphere over there at, at, at Hillsborough Stadium, and you got to get that win. Again, I want to throw this out. Portland State right now, Judah, has 56 true freshmen, sophomores 
on the roster, on a 90-man roster. 56. So young football team. Wow, that is pretty young, pretty inexperienced. I know a lot of coaching staff changes there under uh, Bruce Barnum. He wanted to get it right, right? Yep. And, and you know, this is a huge uh, momentum gainer ahead of Montana State Yeah, you got Montana week. State next week, so it won't be the College of Idaho. The Bobcats are not the Coyotes. Shout out Davis Alexander in this game, quarterback, but he's also a dual threat. He had four rushes for 77 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. He also had six for 11 through the air for a buck 73 and three touchdowns. So Davis Alexander, four touchdowns combined, what about, all, all uh, in the first half. I want to know about my boy, Charlie T. What did Charlie T do? One catch. That's all. 71 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, you got, well, that's probably the first quarter they held them out, man. Yeah. Uh, they didn't want to show too much because he is the man. Hey, I mean, how he, about uh, Davis Cutter? Dirk's kid. Yeah? Two catches for a buck five and a score. Okay. I know he's further down on the depth chart usually, young guy, but uh, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dirk Cutter, his son, playing some ball on the park blocks. He got in the end zone today, so... This was nice. This yeah. was nice. 63-14. Just what it's supposed to be. Ready for Big Sky play next week. Montana State, that's going to be a big one. You bet. You're going to be a big one. As for the Ducks, they win today 35-22. to Heard on Mario Cristobal's reaction a little bit earlier. You know, not uh, totally thrilled with the way the run game went, and for good reason. 2.7 yards of carry. It's not great, but we keep coming back to giving San Jose State a lot of credit for going in there just seven days after losing 31 to nothing at Washington State and being able to go into Autzen Stadium and compete their backsides off. They really did. And to be honest, I think they won the trench war in this game. I mean, they really, at the very least, it was a push, you know, on the offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, I actually thought San Jose State played a lot better. They outplayed them. Yeah, defensively, because we've been pumping up that front five from Sewell all the way with a Throckmorton uh, for the last two or three weeks. They are a good group up front. They are. And they got to get better. Then they will, because you got Stanford coming to town, and no, you know Bryce Love had the week off, so he's gonna be well rested. Whatever little injuries he's had, he was fighting nagging injuries all last year. He right. really was. He was not the same running back I've seen. So they rested him up. You know Cam Scarlett got a lot of the touches today. So you're gonna have a healthy Bryce Love, a healthy package of the pro, uh, all their play action passes. Um, but JJ Arceta Whiteside is a guy that they're gonna be. Watching out for you. He'll be double teamed. They'll press him with a corner with a safety on top. You will not see number 11 just running down the field one-on-one all the time, leaping up there and catching those fades. Well, I know it's a little bit more nuanced than what it's about to sound like, but you have seen the Oregon defense struggle a touch with some big-body tight end guys like Charlie Talmopeo had two touchdowns against him for Portland State. Josh Oliver, the very talented tight end for San Jose State, had a touchdown catch, six catches in this game for him. And what's Stanford's bread and butter in the passing game? It's big-bodied guys. Like Arcega Whiteside, I know he's an X playing on the outside, but they also got those tight ends, Neil, that, that can do a lot of damage in the red zone. So if it's Bryce Love getting them down inside the 20, Oregon's got to get ready for some more big-bodied pass catchers that Stanford's going to roll out of. Well, and they block so well. I mean, that that's the other thing that people don't realize. When you get, you know, Caden Smith gets in there, uh, Scooter Harrington kind of pops in. I saw him get in there a little bit. Parkinson gets in there. They block so well. And you have, it's that play action stuff they do. And they're just, they're kind of like that old Pittsburgh Steeler. They're like the Pittsburgh Steeler kind of team. A lot of play action. And they, they suck you up, suck you up, and make the home run play. Uh, but they're a running game. It is. And the thing that surprised me, though, I'll, the defense against USC, the way they stunted, 
the way they moved around, their angle coverages, zone, man-to-man, I, I surprised me because I picked USC last week. Oh, they got better athletes. I love Coach Shaw came out. Okay, are, are you guys saying they got better athletes? Uh, how are our athletes? <laughs> and he's right. Right. You talk about USC athletes, how, how'd that go? So uh, I'm glad he said that because it kind of put the foot in my mouth that I thought USC would be a lot better coverage guys, a lot better blitzers. Offensively, they got a lot better wide receivers. And, you're, and you're Bryce Love's kind of hurt a little bit. So, uh, again, really looking forward to the next week. Can't wait. We'll break that down a little bit more in our final segment here. We'll also whip around to all the other Pac-12 action, including that Stanford win. What's Washington State doing with Eastern Washington? Got an eyebrow raised over at that one, too. Of course, the Ducks are going to be playing Justin Wilcox's Cal team in two weeks. We can see what the Golden Bears did after beating BYU on the road last week. Just getting underway from Salt Lake City, Utah, and 10th ranked Washington. Boy, cannot wait to watch that football game. And Herm Edwards takes ASU on the road to his alma mater to take on San Diego State. Jeff Tedford, Chip Kelly doing battle, and Kevin Sumlin trying to get his first win for Southern Utah. Talk about it all in our final segment. You can join the conversation as well at 503-417-9595. It's the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. Chew to newbie Neil Lomax on FM News 101 KXO. Final segment here. Chew to newbie Neil Lomax on the Oregon College Football Postgame Show. 503-417-9595. Final thoughts on Ducks and San Jose State. 35-22. Oregon gets the win. Plenty of things to improve on. Needless to say, I think all those Oregon athletes, they've got their attention on uh, room for improvement here because Stanford's coming up in one week's time, Neil, and there's a lot that uh, Oregon's going to see in the film room come Sunday and come Monday where they're going to cringe a little bit and know that they've got to improve upon it in practice in order to get ready for the Cardinal. And what I liked about it, no, no one used to comment, oh, we overlooked them. That's the big statement you make a lot in the NFL, too, or college is, oh, we overlooked them. We overlooked San Jose State. You know, Mario Cristobal did not make that statement at all. They were preparing this like any other game, and they had a little dogfight. It was. But I, I still get back to you. If you play three in a row, three in a row teams that you your expectations are to put 60 on, you know, if you don't if you don't put 60 on them, what the hell's wrong? What, what's wrong with you guys? And, and I give them a little credit again to San Jose State's defense, but Oregon, they won the game. They had control of the game. Now it starts for real. Now this is the big game, and everybody knows it because ESPN knows it because game day is coming to town. College game day is coming to your city, Eugene. I cannot wait. So pumped for that. Real quickly, though, before we leave the Ducks on this, Neil, number one concern for you ahead of Stanford would be what now that you've seen them play three games? Oh, stopping the running game. I mean, if you you can hold Stanford to 150 or less rushing yards, uh, kind of do what San Diego State did. I'd watch a lot of that film. I didn't know exactly what they did well, but somehow, some way, they condensed the game and condensed that running game. You stop the running game, play action doesn't mean anything. And that's what Stanford wants to do. They want to kind of, okay, that's how they pass the ball so well, is they fake the run game. They fake the zone read. There's some, there is some run pass options involved, but not as much as Oregon has. So contain Bryce Love, contain the running game, under 150, 120 yards rushing, you'll win the game. Other scores, it's halftime in Austin. Texas leads 22nd ranked USC 16-14. to JT Daniels, the true freshman quarterback, the 17-year-old, 16 for 27, 199 yards in one half, and one interception. I know we were looking at JT Daniels with a little bit of a skeptical eye going into this one. He had the bruised throwing hand from Stanford game. 
You know, and this is a tough road environment playing yeah. in front of those crazy fans at UT Austin. Yeah, and I'm the one that says he, he might get the hook. Mm-hmm. I really was. Like, my feeling was if he's not performing and they get down two scores in his third quarter, two scores, which is not right now, Clay Helton, what are you going to do? Uh, do you keep riding this guy all the way through the Pac-12 season or not? So I, I'm happy for JT, happy for the Trojans, happy for the Pac-12. So far, so good. Pac-12's done pretty well. They're hanging in there. How about uh, Washington State right now with their regional rivals from the FCS, Eastern Washington Eagles? Shout out Gage Gubrud, McMinnville High School grad. Mm-hmm. He's at the controls for Eastern Washington. Gubrud, not a very good game for him so far. We'll get to that in a moment. Wazoo, 35-24. Late third quarter, Wazoo, an 11-point lead at home with Eastern Washington. Gardner Minshew, quarterback for Washington State, 354 yards passing and we're not even three quarters done he's got one touchdown three rushing touchdowns for running back james williams for the cougars how about this six carries for 19 yards and three touchdowns hmm. man it's they're passing hmm. to get to the goal line hey, and then up, running up, beaver it update beaver update okay. we missed we missed a field goal the mccarton number 17 the linebacker safety defensively not offensively just picked one off so the beavers got it back they're down 37 28 with 530 to play 37-28, Wolfpack lead the Beavs with five and a half to go. You heard that, Neil Lomax, and boy, you know what? OSU is hanging in this game after yep. being down 30-7 to early. 21 straight points, unanswered points, and uh, it's going to come down now to the last few minutes, and here comes a rushing attack. So, uh, Pac-12, looking forward to week four. Give me some good games. Give me some of the highlight games you're looking forward to. What do, what do you got on the schedule there for next week? Well, first, I got to look at and see what Washington and Utah does. That, yeah, that's, that's big. big. And I, I think Arizona State at, at uh, San Diego State. Yep. Um, big one. Because in those two teams we mentioned, ASU and Washington, they're meeting next week in Seattle. And, you, and Chip needs a win. I mean, come on, UCLA needs a win. Uh, Tedford's bringing his Fresno State Bulldogs into the Pasadena area at the Rose Bowl. But they, they need some love. But some pretty good games on the docket for next week. Yep. And that week four schedule, Friday night, it will get started. Washington State at USC. Hmm. This is a game that was played on a Friday night last year, and USC lost on the Palouse. And it kind of ruined their college football playoff hopes. They ended up winning the Pac-12 as well, but... Still, you know, that's that's going to be a question for them. And other games, Arizona, Oregon State. Speaking of Oregon State. Beavers just hit pay dirt. They are Nation. an extra point away from going down Nation. by two. Got the pick. <laughs> got the score. They'll be down by two here with only four with 440 to play. Ball game. All right. They get Arizona next week. Kevin Sumlin's coming into town at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday afternoon. By the way, our show, mine and yours, Neil, going to be on at 3 o'clock That's on right. Sister Station 1029, 750 the game. You know, We'll also have an hour over there. We'll have an hour over here on KXL as well, getting ready for Ducks and Stanford. we got one minute left on our show uh, for tonight, but your thoughts on Ducks Cardinal. Well, again, that's going to be that that game in, in Washington coming to Autzen are the two big games. Everybody is circled. Everybody with season tickets is going to that one. No one's giving those away. And I'll say this, Oregon State and Arizona, what a great way to start the Pac-12 out, bringing them in. I think Oregon State has a great chance to win that football game. No question about that. But this is going to be fun. Cardinal and Ducks, this could be the Battle of the North. It's Game of Thrones going on now. Let's see who's going to do this thing. <laughs> we can finally react and, and have it have some substance. It's going to be, yeah, this is apples and apples. And I'll be a critic. I will be on, guys. I'm ready, man. I am going to be on. This is now it counts. All this and wait I'll be and see stuff. And we'll, yeah, we'll see what happens. 
Looking forward to it. <laughs> It'll be a lot of fun. He's Neil Nomax. I'm Judah Newby. Shout out to Dane Vodder. Spinning it behind the glass. Appreciate you, Dane. Thank you very much. Spin the Oregon College Football postgame show. Uh, back to our regularly scheduled programming coming up here on uh, KXL on a Saturday night. Going to be a lot of fun. Thanks for being along for the ride. Ducks win 35-22. to Taking down San Jose State. A lot of fun. A lot of fun in that football game. A lot of things to work on, though, for the Oregon Ducks ahead of taking on the Stanford Cardinal. Tune in to 1029 750 the game. Number one sports station in Portland. Dan Patrick Show every Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Neil Lomax, Jordan Kent will be part of our wall-to-wall coverage. Shout out Jordan Kent going to the Oregon Hall of Fame next weekend as well ahead of Ducks and Stanford. We'll see you next week, everybody.